Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Hey everyone, welcome to Elijah Streams. Today's Friday, April 28th, 2023. I'm your host, Kelsey O'Malley, filling in for Steve Schultz. Happy Friday. We are wrapping up this week with another great guest. My guest today is Mike Thompson, and he's going to be sharing with us what God has revealed to him about the next 18 months. But before we bring on Mike, we want to thank you guys again for partnering with us as we dig wells in Uganda. We're going to show you the short video clip of how lives are being changed every day as you partner with us. Thank you guys again so much for your generosity. And you know, Steve will never say this about himself, but he is one of the most generous people um, I have ever met. He's constantly giving. And so when you do give into Elijah's dreams, your money is going into kingdom work, um, whether it be through this show or through digging freshwater wells. Um, Steve is absolutely um, trustworthy in how he gives. And so thank you for partnering with us. Uh, lives are being changed every single day. Well, my guest today is Mike Thompson. You guys know him. We love him and his wife, CK, so much. He is the founder of Mike Thompson Ministries. He is also the leader of Word of Life in Las Vegas. Help me welcome my guest today, Mike Thompson. Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, Kelsey. Nice to see you again. Glad to be here. It's so good to have you back. I love when you're on mic. You always give us amazing revelation from heaven, from the throne room of God. And I'm excited about today because you have some fresh insight from him. And also congratulations on your new book. I know that's been a long time waiting. It has been. Wow. And oh, thank you very is. much. There it is. Look at that graphic. Doesn't that look beautiful? Yes. Forward by Eric Metaxas. Isn't it nice when... Uh, a good Christian brother who is a multi-bestseller, uh, New York Times best author, uh, endorses your book, does the forward. He's a good friend, so praise God. I want everybody to go buy the book. Yes. Not because I want to make money, but because <laughs> of the revelation that's Amen. in the book. Praise God. Amen. Well, you know, Third Heaven Authority has been, I know it's been a really long time coming because I talked to you before and it was like the timing was just never quite lining up for you with it, right? It's And then all of a sudden. That, that's it. That's it. I first started to uh, attempt to publish a book on the subject in 2012. It didn't work out. Um, I won't get into the whys. Then I attempted again about 2015 didn't work out, wasn't the timing. And uh, when Charisma House approached me in February of last year and asked me if I would write the book, I was shocked. Uh, they'd been listening to my podcast. They said, we want this in print. And so that's what started it. And then the last year, going to be honest with you, it takes a lot of spiritual warfare. It takes a lot of third heaven authority in order to write a book on third heaven authority. But there it is. It's in print, the revelation, the information is there. And Kelsey, one of the things that the Lord talked to me about, because I asked him, oh, it was about three months ago. And I said, Lord, 
what is going on, why did it take so long, and uh, is this a major part of what's going on? And what the Lord told me is this. He said that I had to time this book for this season, for the spiritual warfare that's going on this year. He said, so I've been in all the details, I've done it, but this is a major teaching that will help the body of Christ in approaching everything that's going to be going on, uh, well, from here on out, um, but specifically 2023 and 24. The Lord's been dealing with me a lot about the next 18 months and beyond, uh, but a lot of spiritual warfare, a lot of good, wonderful things. When we say spiritual warfare, we talk about third heaven authority. It's important to understand that it, spiritual warfare is not just always in the foxhole or in the battle and, you know, uh, worshiping the Lord uh, in, in the service with just hundreds of believers. And, you know, that's part of spiritual warfare. You know, healing the sick is part of spiritual warfare. There's so many good aspects. Uh, so I don't want to scare people with spiritual warfare. What's that? You know, oh, that sounds, uh, I don't know that I want to do that. It's not hard. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not hard. It's not difficult. But there are times when, man, the power that you, you, you really got to give the devil his walking papers, yeah. you know? Good. Tear him a new one. There's that part of it. But it's about standing in authority in everything that we do, everything in life. The book helps explain all of that. There's a well, lot of subjects. Go ahead. Spiritual warfare, every time I think most of us on here are listening have been taught about it. It is like you said, where it's in the trenches and, you know, they kind of teach it that way where it's like, well, we got to get into spiritual warfare and we're going to be praying in tongues for hours and we're going to be fasting. And, but you're saying there can also be a beautiful side where it's relational and where it's worship and prayer and healing the sick. And so can you expound on that just a little bit? Cause I don't think we've really ever been taught that way. At least I have not. Right, absolutely. Well, you know, there, there, and leading into that, there's so many different subjects that I deal with in the book in explaining to people what Third Heaven Authority is all about. It's learning how to pray from Heaven's perspective down rather than from Earth's perspective up. It's seen through the eyes of Jesus by the presence of the Spirit of God. But during that prayer time, there's so many different aspects of intimacy and, and everything that he does leading us into it. You know, you can laugh, you can cry, you can dance, you can be silent. Uh, you can prostrate yourself on the, on the floor before the Lord. Uh, but the warfare is not just in the closet. And I should say that the authority release is not just in the closet. It's also, you're walking down the street. You're in the bank. You're talking to a neighbor across the fence. You're, whatever the daily affairs are, yes. it's that place of realizing that he has placed within us the ability to actually invade. The anointing that's on us comes in on the scene. When I walk into a room, I expect the spiritual atmosphere in the room to shift. Amen. 
A lot of people say, oh, well, that's kind of arrogant, isn't it? No, it's knowledgeable. It's authoritative. And that's the point. We have to be an authority in everything. It takes authority to worship God. Mm, wow. What a bold statement. Isn't that something? Yes. Authority to worship God. But, you know, in my book, I get into angels, how they're involved in the authority. I, I talk about angels, the different kinds of angels, how they operate, how they move, uh, what the Lord shared with me uh, in heaven about them and how to use them and release them in our affairs. I talk a lot about the kind of spiritual authority that's over the United States right now. What, what's going on in the spiritual atmosphere? What are the main enemies that are attempting to influence the church, stop the church, uh, and also working, you know, even in societal and political areas? Right. Uh, I talk about how that God has commissioned us as the church to be the vital force with third heaven authority to stop the advancement of those agendas from the enemy, um, the weapons that he's given unto us, how to do it. I talk a lot about prayer, different kinds of prayer, uh, mm -hmm. the way that we can just get so absorbed in the Lord that he begins to just overcome us with his vantage point, his viewpoint, his perceptions of things, lift us up in the spirit so that we can actually pray from that position. And that's one of the vital keys, Kelsey, for us, is that when the glory of God comes on us, how does he then, is it, is it an, an encounter in the sense that, oh, it just makes us feel good and we get warm fuzzies and and it's just so nice. What is deposited into us? There's a revelation aspect of it. I talk about that in the book. And when the revelation comes to us, how it actually imparts an element of authority. There's an assignment. There's a commission. And that carries us forth in our lives. It's all about building people up in their relationship with Jesus, realizing who they are in him and what they have available to them. Uh, I've met so many believers here. I'm just running with it, Kelsey. No, go uh, for it. I love it. <laughs> I, I've met so many believers because, uh, you know, but CK and I have been in the ministry. We're right now approaching 46 years. Wow. And in that time, so many believers that develop a sense of powerlessness. It's like, I love Jesus. I'm born again. I'm filled with the spirit of God. I've even seen miracles. I prayed for people and they've been healed. God has done good things for me. But still, they're just right underneath the line of fully understanding who they really are in the authority. And there's a sense of powerlessness. How do I handle this? Oh, this one that's coming at me is too big. Uh, read scriptures like when Jesus uh, you know, his disciples couldn't cast out the demon in the boy. He came down from the Mount of Transfiguration and and Jesus looked at him in their doubt and unbelief. He he rebuked them because of their lack of faith. And he said, this kind goes not out, but by prayer and fasting. And people read that from that sense of powerlessness sometimes 
and say, oh, Jesus is saying that there's some big demons out there that we can't get rid of unless we physically take it in our own hands and do something where we deny our flesh and we, we fast and we pray and somehow by our own works and all of this, we get to a point to where maybe we can handle these big demons. What an approach of powerlessness. You know, we have the authority. What demon in hell or on this earth has more power than the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, than the new creation, than the blood of Jesus, than the name of Jesus. All Jesus was telling them is, hey, guys, get in touch with who you are. And fasting and prayer is a vehicle of getting with God so that the revelation of who you are then rises up in a point to where now you can handle this demon. It's not that the demon was too big before. It's that you didn't understand how much bigger you were. So now go get him, boys. And uh, that's the sense of authority that we have. And we must walk in that authority. Isn't that good? That's so good. And also a a big key element um, I see in your notes um, is intimacy. Having close relationship with the Lord has is plays a vital role in in third heaven authority, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. In fact, that's one of the things that uh, we were mentioning earlier about the next eighteen months. One of the things the Lord told me is He said that um, He said you must become not just a warrior. I'm a warrior. You're a warrior. Mm-hmm. We feel it. I've been a warrior my whole life. You know, it's like okay, let's get her done, and. Uh, but to be worshiping warriors. And the worshiping warrior is one who has developed an ability of worship, of intimacy before the Lord. So many people are afraid of intimacy in different ways. Um, I mean, face it, you know, we have to protect our hearts, we feel. We're raised in an environment, whether it be the family that we're raised in. Now, I, I had very loving parents. Um, my wife, CK, was raised in a different, very legalistic and abusive environment. So, But still, we have all of these different experiences that are unique to us. What about school? What about uh, things that have happened to us before? And so we have this thing where... We begin to guard our heart, protect our hearts, and we put up shields. And we don't realize when we get born again that we try to transfer those shields to the Lord mm-hmm. uh, because it was something that saved us before. But we don't realize that what saved you, the techniques that saved you in the past, can become counterproductive as you advance. Uh, and then you have to open yourself up and learn more. And so that intimacy with the Lord, we have to develop that, open things up. It's like we have this kingdom on the inside of us. Yeah, it's a kingdom of heaven on the inside of us. But what I'm talking about is our lives, our hearts. And it's like we get born again and we say, okay, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Sit on the throne. But I'm going to keep half of the kingdom, these other areas, away from you. Uh, You have rule, but I'm going to hide this stuff from you. And so it's kind of like the rest of our Christian lives. 
is Jesus spends with us by the presence of the Spirit of God searching out all those dark places, finding all those closed doors and trying to get us to open and, and develop that intimacy. But we're afraid sometimes, believers are, because they don't want to be hurt. There's woundedness or various things that are in their lives. They don't know how. So many people uh, are afraid to open their hearts to the Lord uh, simply because then they're going to have to feel something. And in order to feel the love and the good things from the Lord, you'll also have to feel the pains and the other things that he wants that love to heal. And so we get to these places where this intimacy we have to develop before him. And it's not just intimacy with the Lord. It's intimacy with our families. And this is a biggie. I really want to emphasize it at this particular point. The Lord spoke to me and he said, this was just about a week and a half ago. He said, tell the people that over the next eight months to develop their intimacy with their loved ones, their families, their friends, those that are the closest to their hearts and are trustworthy. Develop it. Keep them close because there are things that we're going to go through where you have to have that connection because Jezebel has already devised a plan, that ruling political spirit of Jezebel that's in America, far left, antichrist spirit coming against the church, coming against the nation. He said, her, she's already designed by various forms of pressures in the land to divide families. And when it divides a family, it's not only a failure, a battle lost that causes pain, sometimes division or strife or other things. But he said, What it will do is it will weaken those that are involved. They need to stay strong. They need to stay close. Love your family. Protect that intimacy. And if you're not used to it, then get used to it. Just go to that person and begin to open your heart. Ask them what they have need of, what their dreams are. Pray with them on a daily basis. Keep the bond strong. And that is very protective for us. One of the reasons is because it provides anchors to our life. Mm. Uh, Anchors, those are connecting points. We have physical anchors, we have heart anchors, we have spiritual anchors. The things that all of a sudden that anchor, it keeps us connected with who we are. And instead of just floating around and never knowing, it keeps us connecting with a, with a support system. In the natural realm, we have things like birthdays and anniversaries. Those are important. It's important to remember and to celebrate because they're anchors to our life. You know, uh, our heart, there's relationships that we have, a spouse, a son or a daughter, parents, other people that are close. It provides an anchor to reality that keeps us stabilized. Spiritually, we have anchors, uh, you know, with the Lord. And it's good to always remember the things that the Lord has done for us and continually, you know, bring them up. CK and I were talking last night 
about uh, just some things that we did uh, years ago, years ago. You know, we started out in the first year of ministry, almost 46 years ago. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Uh, not only uh, we had a traveling ministry at first and then pastoral and then some other things, but we were on the radio and we sat there and talked about it. We were radio preachers to some degree back then. Mm-hmm. And in our city, you know, we had, uh, we went to the local, it was a rock and roll station. And, uh, and it was the, the biggest one in our community, our city. And we asked them, you know, what demographics and stuff, what, what's your most listened to time of day? And they said 6 a.m. news. And so I said, okay, can I have the five minutes before the news? And they said, yes. And so five minutes, people that were getting up, showering, waiting for the news, the most people of the entire day, there's Mike Thompson for five minutes talking to him about the Lord. And we reminisced about these. See, what I'm saying is that's an anchor. Right now we have internet ministry, but it started back there. It's an anchor. So many anchors, because those anchors uh, for our heart release strength. Mm. They keep us grounded, keep us going in the right direction, and they literally release strength to go ahead. And so stay close. That's what I want to tell everybody. Should be happening all the time, but the next 18 months, stay close. Don't let anything bring division between you and your loved ones. Love on one another. Develop an intimate relationship with the Lord. Spend time in prayer with Him, but with the loved ones. We have to do that, Kelsey. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. And the thing is, when you when you start to develop that relationship of, I've seen in my own life. I can share a testimony in my own life when. That relationship with the Lord went from he's somewhere far off, somewhere up there, you know, do you hear me? (laughs) When I realize that he does hear me and I can talk to him and I can listen to him, I can hear him through his word, I can hear his whisper and just share with him like he's my friend. Once I started to develop that relationship with Jesus, automatically my marriage got better because when I got filled with his love, I could love a lot easier when, when he was pouring his love into me. And I mean, just being open before him, like you talked about automatically relationships all started to line up and get better because it was a result of being with the Lord. Everything changes for good in our lives. Oh, that is so good. And I agree, you know, uh, chapter eight in my book, deals a lot with this issue that we're talking about right now and my process learning how to become intimate. You know, I I was one of those guys, you know, that uh, grew up being, you know, you got to be tough, tough exterior, all this kind of stuff. And uh, what makes a man and and masculinity and all those things. And, and I suddenly was thrust into this learning curve like you're talking about, exact same one. I got married and baptized in the Holy Spirit the same year. Oh, wow. 
So I had to learn intimacy with the Lord and with my wife at the same time. And they, as counterparts, each helped the other, me learning how to do that. Um, So like I said, chapter eight in my book deals a lot with this. And you know that the Bible also shares a lot. Uh, What I look at is what I call uh, two primary examples in scripture are uh, the worshiping kings, the shepherding kings. Mm. That's King David and King Jesus. In the Old Testament, King David, you look at that, how that he was willing to absolutely pour his heart out to God to the point that he even got in trouble with his own wife, Michael, because he was out in the street and he took his royal garments off, but he was wearing a linen ephod and linen ephod was symbolic of what the the priests wore. And so it was relational, it was worship to God. He danced, you know, he played, uh, and in that occasion was dancing before the Lord, probably singing. Other times, you know, he played the harp, he had music, he had all these creative aspects of himself that he just poured out to God. And, and Michael, his wife, looked out the window and saw him dancing in that ephod, and she interpreted it. According to her belief structure, she also was a daughter of a king and she knew palace principles and all that. And sometimes we get so caught up in our, oh, you know, my authority and all this. And David was open before the Lord. And she interpreted that as you took off your authority and become naked before the people. And Mm -hmm. David interpreted it as no. What I did was I revealed my intimacy as an example to my people so that the intimacy supported the authority. He put back on his robes, kingly robes, and he walked in that authority. King Jesus was similar. So many times he would just go off and begin to pray. And, and, and we many times look at it from more of a surface kind of viewpoint of, oh, he went to pray. We've got to go and pray. That's true. No, he went to develop his relationship and intimacy with the Father in that prayer Mm -hmm. and to allow the Holy Spirit to fill him and reveal things to him. And out of that intimacy, there came a refreshing and all the things we talked about with the anchors and the empowerment and all of that. And then he was able to release his authority and walk that out. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He preached the word. He went to the cross. He rose from the dead. So authority is enhanced by intimacy. So we've got to do that. We have to be intimate before the Lord. Yep, that's so good. And, you know, when you talk about Jesus going up on the mountain, I just think of like, you know, once you understand the delight and the joy in prayer, it kind of clicks in your relationship with God. So maybe some people are watching and your prayer life is like kind of the same thing every day. Like I just kind of have a prayer list and say the same thing and then, okay, I'm done with that. 
But prayer, it can be so much greater than that. It can be fellowship and uh, where you can pour your love out in God, on God. And, you know, I think of Jesus yep. doing that, like, he probably couldn't wait to get up to that mountain away from the disciples who were like, I'm the greatest in the yeah. kingdom. Jesus was probably like, okay, I want to go be with the father. But oh, you I'm sure develop that too. I mean, you start to get to a place where you want to pray. It's not just like, oh, okay, I had to pray today. I mean, you really desire to be alone with the Lord because it he is life. You know, man don't live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And you just yes. get fed in that place. And so I can imagine Jesus, can't, that was probably the favorite, the favorite part of every single day was just being alone with God in those, those precious times. Oh, absolutely. I believe that. You know, one of the things about that intimacy too, is that it actually increases the manifestation of God's glory. Mm. Now that I found that true in my life and I've seen it in so many others. It increases the manifestation of God's glory because you tap into intimacy is a binding. It's a bonding. It's a, it's a working in relationship. And as you develop that relationship with the Lord and by the presence of the spirit, the spirit of God coming in, you begin to fellowship with the Holy spirit the glory then begins to just roll. And I can tell you that in my life, uh, I had to learn, like I mentioned earlier, how to do that and how to be a good husband all in the same year and get past the things where I could lift my hands up in church or in public and just praise and worship the Lord. And oh, the glory and the anointing that would begin to come up on me. I do the same thing, grab my wife's hand or just in the middle of the grocery store, turn her around and, and give her a kiss and keep going. I purposely had to develop those. And I'm so glad I did because not only what it did for the relationship mm -hmm. and for my wife and the Lord, what it did for me, it freed me. Yeah. I'm a better man because of it. Yes. Absolutely. So get close and allow that glory to just begin to roll over you. I think that I hear the most words, have had the most visions in that place of intimacy in prayer and worship. And prayer is not, I'll finish that sentence first, then I have any other place. Even though you know, I, I stand before congregations and people all the time preaching and man, the power of God comes on me. I'll have an open vision. I'll move in word of knowledge and gifts of healings and, and all these things happen. But most of it, and the most important ones come when I'm in my prayer closet, part of that glory and the Lord begins dealing with me. And so prayer is not just you know, or Jesus give me, or yeah. did you see what happened to me this morning? <laughs> you know, I, it's relational. You talk to him just like you would your spouse or anybody else and just let it flow. So I'm gonna say it one more time. The Lord specifically told me in one of those prayer times of myself, intimacy, tell the people 
to develop the intimacy and love with the Lord and with their loved ones. Keep them close because the devil has a specific attack, a strategy to try to stop that. And even if it does not end up in some kind of a separation or a breaking of the relationship, uh -huh. the pro progress of a relationship without the intimacy will remove so much of those anchors and strength. You know, I tell my wife occasionally, I just give her a big hug and I'll just hold her. And I just say, "Hun, I need to hug you because I get strength from that. Mm. It strengthens my heart. It strengthens my life. Mm. I have to go face the world. You know, I'm getting ready to get in the car and drive to a meeting or the office or whatever. I need your strength. Oh, wow. And I do that with the Lord. Get before the Lord. I want to feel that strength. Center me, Lord. Let the Holy Spirit love on me. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I feel, well, I feel, I feel the Holy Spirit so strong now, Mike, just from you saying that. Um, what would you say to people who their spouse has, has a wall up towards this type of stuff? You know, is there any advice you could give to people who they're willing to do this, but their spouse maybe is kind of standoffish or like you talked about with the shields? They have a lot of shields up and they, they just won't up and open up. Is there any advice you would give to people on how to kind of break through those walls with uh -huh. their spouses? Yes, but I want to go back one step. Your question was how to break through those walls. Don't make the breaking through those walls the focus. Make, be responsible to yourself and do what you can do in obedience to the Lord, the focus. Okay. Nothing can stop that. Breaking through the walls puts the power in the other person's hands. Mm. Getting them to respond a specific way gives them the power over what you're doing and therefore the judging of whether you're successful or not by their behavior. That disempowers you. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have third heaven authority. Mm -hmm. So we seek that power. The way we release that is by the right agenda, the right focus. The focus is that without anybody stopping me, I can do what the Lord wants me to do. I'm going to love them. I'm going to treat them with dignity and respect. I'm going to give them a, a, a kiss on the cheek. I'm going to try to hug them. I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to, regardless of the walls, see my objective that I can be 100% successful in always is to make it about me mm. and what I'm able to do. Now I can love them. I can do all these things mm -hmm. without them. Their, their response cannot stop me from being true to myself and being true to God. Right. And when you have that within your heart, and then you just keep doing that. And if there's rejection, if there's distance, whatever, you just keep doing it because you are being 100% successful in what the Lord has asked you. 
and what you're doing. And he will reward you by that. Amen. That's beautiful. That's great advice. That's so true. We can't control their decisions, but we can control what we decide to do. That's it. And that's where our responsibility lies. And when you set up an impractical or a blockable goal in how you feel about yourself, your love, acceptance, and value in that relationship or as a human or in the Lord or anything else by blockable goals that other people have control over, then it's ship your saddle home, you know, because they're going to do it. And it's, it's not always because they're mean people or that they purposely are doing it. They just don't know all the time that you gave the power for your own life to them. It's like walking up to somebody, hand them a loaded revolver and say, point that right here between my eyes and pull that little trigger thing down there. Mm -hmm. uh, and they don't even know. They've never seen it before. And, and it blows you out of the saddle, so to speak, as I said earlier. And it's like, yeah. don't give them the power. Yeah, that's good. not Christ likeness. Jesus didn't uh, get upset with the Pharisees because of their attacks or the way they reacted or other things that began to try to block him. It's mm -hmm. no, he'd go back into prayer and he'd come out and do what he does. Mm -hmm. He was silent, you know, when they, when, when Herod would question him, he didn't even respond. And so we, we see that the Lord is in always in control. <laughs> he knew exactly what That's he was right. Doing. All right, That's I right. want to talk. I want to talk to you now about because um, the Lord showed you something else um, about the next eighteen months. Um, being aware of the leaven of the Pharisees in politics. So, what did the Lord share with you about that? Wow, a number of things. But you know, in uh, in Mark eight fifteen, Jesus said to his disciples, he charged them, saying, "Take heed." Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the and of Herod. Now, most of the time he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Right. OK, we'll talk about that. But he said, and the leaven of Herod. Now, Herod was a king. Mm -hmm. So in other words, there was a blending of the Pharisees and and that which was sacred or religious and the political that was herod the herodians were priests and if you see those in the new testament the scriptures where it talks about the herodians they were priests who aligned themselves with herod mm -hmm. and so all i'm saying is there's a blending a lot of people think that in order to be a good christian you got to stay out of politics and that's totally wrong to be a good citizen, as a Christian, you must be involved to some measure. You know, we have a civic responsibility for voting and that kind of stuff. Uh, but the point is just simply this, is that in America today, there are two extreme factions mm -hmm. that are attempting to influence God in our government mm -hmm. and in our society and nature. What I have labeled, because the way that the Lord has dealt with me on it since 2004, is that on the far left, there's the ruling political spirit of 
Jezebel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jezebel, worshiper of Baal. There was a historical figure of Jezebel uh, who married Ahab and brought idolatry into the divided kingdom of Judah and Israel. Uh, there also was a future uh, uh, in, in the book, in the Revelation. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. Where Jesus himself addressing the church at Thyatira, he said that he had odd or that he was holding it against them because they allowed Jezebel, that prophetess, to influence them. And and what she was doing is she was bringing... um, Actually, um, liberalism, it was sexual immorality for the most part into the church. Now, why did he call her Jezebel? It wasn't because that was her physical name given at birth because of her parents. I don't believe that. It was because he reached back and identified the same spirit that was in the historical Jezebel was operating and influencing the church now through this Jezebel. And... So that ruling political spirit tries to take control, okay? Then he dealt with me on the far right about the Pharisee. The Pharisees uh, were also leaders. The Sadducees and the Pharisees comprised the Sanhedrin Council. They were the rulers of the land. Civilly, they made all the laws for the nation. Of course, the Roman government during the time of Jesus Uh, was there making a lot of laws, and they had to operate within that. Mm -hmm. But they also were the religious priests, the rulers. Mm -hmm. So in American politics, there are the far left and the far right. The far right is a spirit of Pharisee, is what the Lord was talking to me about. The -hmm. Pharisees were not only zealous about keeping the law, which would be good on the surface, But they also added over 300 of their own principles and laws to it for the people to keep. The ones that Jesus confronted on a number of occasions, uh, but he said that you stand in the gate, in the door of heaven. You won't go in and you won't let anybody else go in either. So in other words, they were legalistic controllers. This is the way that I say it. On the far left, Jezebel wants to destroy God's influence in America. On the far right, the Pharisee spirit, spirit influences of this demonic thing, Mm -hmm. wants to control, take over God's involvement in America. They want to dictate Mm -hmm. how God will move. They want to dictate who God will use in any political office or any of those things. They want to dictate that rather than being vehicles of God. And so many of them are good people, moral people. You and I would love them. We'd like them. We'd be good friends with them. But they have this bit where they slide to this self-imposed self-righteousness where they determine what God is allowed to do in the nation. That's the spirit of Pharisee. Here's here's a little definition I I wrote out. 
Pharisees in politics. We all understand Pharisees in religion, or right. at least we can more relate to that. But in politics, typically, are the rhino-type conservatives who project a spiritual demeanor, a self-righteousness to cover their own legalistic hearts. They set themselves up as judges of who qualifies for their approval, thereby, in their own minds, qualifying for God's approval. They dictate who God approves, who God sanctions. So those Pharisees, um, he said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisee and the leaven of Herod. So we've got to be wise. This is one of the things that the Lord was telling me. He said, over the next 18 months, uh, there will be, from opposite directions, major pulls upon believers' lives, from the Jezebel liberal side, uh-huh. and then also from the Pharisee legalistic controlling side. Mm. And he said, tell the people to seek me, my voice, and let's go forward together and I'll lead them and I will tell them what they're supposed to be involved in, in any form politically, voting. That's probably the biggest, who to vote for, who to support. Yeah. And so, you know, we, I'm of the opinion in my own life that I have to follow God. I spent a lot of years deciding and prayerfully even studying the word i want i used to tell people all the time i'm not going to tell you who to vote for but i am going to teach you how to learn to vote your conscience to vote your morals to vote the word to those kinds of things and that's all true and that's good Mm -hmm. but i spent a lot of years i'm just speaking from my own experience in doing that and doing the best I could. And then all of a sudden I realized that God had the ability to speak to me. It wasn't me just figuring it out. Mm -hmm. He had the ability to speak to me and tell me who to vote for Mm -hmm. and to follow that in faith. And so, yeah. I, I just want people to realize that it's important to follow the Lord. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things that Jezebel uses, just one of, is this word called nice. Now, let me explain that a little bit. Nice is a good word. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be nice. You know? Uh, CK and I have remarked over the years, we've seen seen so many young mothers in church uh, or, you know, in a grocery store where a child is acting up, little child, Mm -hmm. and the mother will turn to them and say, now that's not nice. Don't you want to be nice? As if that's the goal. Mm Mm-hmm instead of just taking the authority. Now, there's a parental issue there. It's like, what? No. You tell them no. Right. They don't know what nice is, you right. know. <laughs> they don't understand right from wrong. Exactly. You're giving them the power. 
Right. Uh, you notice how I keep introducing that, giving you power and stuff. Authority retains the power yeah. of our lives and responsibilities. Okay. So what happens is, though, that in religious church circles, mm-hmm. that the word nice becomes a religious injunction. You know, nice is not a fruit of the spirit. Right. It's not listed in right. Galatians 5 as a fruit of the spirit. I'm not telling people they can't be nice, but it's not the goal. Goodness is a fruit of the spirit. Yes. And I believe in treating people right. But in in religious circles, it's be nice. It becomes a forced injunction. Mm-hmm. Not only in religious circles, but also in social circles. Be nice. Sometimes the best thing you can do for somebody or situation is to love them. When Jesus said, snakes, vipers, hypocrites, brood of vipers. Yep. He wasn't being nice, but he was right. being loving and truthful. Right. And so what I'm saying is that we have to be careful because in political Pharisee mm-hmm. realm, they use that as an injunction to control people and to qualify not only people that are their followers, but others that are around them. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, I don't like and I will not support that person over there because they're not nice. Yeah. Does that make sense? Of course. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, definitely. It, and that's not the goal. The right. goal is obedience. With right. a little child, obey mama. Right. With us, obey the Lord. Yes. And so nice is not the goal at that particular point. And, and, and I'm saying, let's be kind to one another. Let's right. love one another. But don't allow Pharisees in right. political structures, systems, to use that as a control because that enters into lying vanity it's a way that lying vanity uh two minutes real quick two minutes the lord gave me a vision it's also in my book buy it you'll enjoy it and in that vision he 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 outlined three different demonic armies Mm -hmm. hordes that came into america and I tell when they came in and all about them. The first one were the shriekers and the screamers. Mm. Intimidation, yells, scream, noise, cause commotion. The second one was line unity. Line unity come in. You don't want the shriekers. You don't want all this commotion and all this uh, violence and all this stuff going on in America. Uh-huh. Then um, vote for me. It was lying unity, it was man's unity, it was deception, it was not God's unity or unity of the spirit. And then the third one were the punishers and enforcers. Well, lying unity also had influence with the Pharisees. And lying unity needed control mechanisms. And so they began to use this thing that label a particular candidate, I mean, obviously, Donald Trump was the is the biggest receiver of that. Mm -hmm. You're not nice. 
Therefore, right. you can't be of God. You be nice and you play our rules. You know, we're going to pipe the dirges. We're going to pipe the celebrations. Dance for us. Right. And so we have to be careful about those trance words that try to force us into a behavior to lockstep with them. Yeah. Be yourself. Listen to God. And I'm going to say this because I know we don't have much time left is that I, I really wanted to get this in. This is something that um, CK said to me and it was wow. I said, man, that is God all over the place. And so I'm going to use it right now. Jesus called out the Pharisees mm -hmm. and then cleansed the temple twice. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't it take Trump two terms to drain the swamp in America? He cleansed the temple twice. He did it at the beginning of his ministry and at the end. Mm -hmm. So in other words, he did it to um, cleanse the temple. And it was because of the Pharisees' sin. It wasn't because of the people or anything else. We say, oh, he had to clean and get the sin out. Yeah, he had to get what the Pharisees brought in out. Yep. Okay. And then once he did, three and a half years go by in his public ministry and then they're still doing, they bring it back in. And at the end of his ministry, he has to come back in and do it again. Yep. And so everybody out there knows that I am a Trump supporter. Okay, there you've got it, pure and simple. Yep. But so I'm just presenting that if Jesus had to do it twice, then why shouldn't he? Mm. So chew on that. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, the interesting thing is when you talked about being kind and being nice, you know, we see that a lot is they'll actually write on, you know, pride flags, be kind. And it's that lying unity of you have to be, be kind. But we know we're kind according to what the word of God tells us to do, that accepting mm -hmm. any spirit is absolutely not. You can't accept any spirit. And when you talked about the leaven, Jesus says, you know, a little bit of leaven will ruin the whole lump. So even a little bit of leaven, so even letting one little lie in your yeah. heart from either side can start to bring you down that path and praise God for the Holy Spirit. He always brings us back through truth, but it's amazing. It's the little bit of leaven. And we're seeing that like um, the total acceptance of everything where you have to accept yeah. this agenda and if you don't accept it, you're not kind and you're not nice and you're a hateful person when it is totally the opposite because love says the truth and love yeah. wants to help you from sin. So, I mean, we are seeing everything that you shared about is right in front of our faces. I mean, right now, every day. And we have to make that choice every day uh, to follow the word and follow God above being nice and kind. So that was That's awesome it. revelation, Mike. Thank you for sharing with us today. You shared a lot with us, um, and I hope you guys will get the book. Let's share it one more time, just because I want you to share um, where they can order it. Yes, the best place is just go to Amazon.com. I mean, you, you can search on the Internet. You can get it from Charisma House, the publisher. Uh, there are so many distributors, but if, just go to Amazon. 
It'll be there. That's probably the best Just place. search that yeah. title, Third Heaven Authority by Mike Thompson. You guys definitely want to check that out because he shares a lot of uh, revelation in that book. Mike, before we end, will you pray for everybody today? Absolutely. I'd love to. Right now, I just want to speak to you personally. Every individual that's viewing this either right now live or even on demand a week from now. The anointing of God and the word of God and the presence of God, the revelation of God is right here. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your needs. But I must start out with what the Lord has said. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for your relationships. I pray for your family. Over the next 18 months, it's an imperative. I pray that the Holy Spirit and His touch would be in your life so that you would realize how you can handle the intimacy with Him and with those that you are in loving relationships with. Keep, keep them close. Hug them. Minister to them. Be with them every day and do not let the devil separate you. Also, I pray for you that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and reveal any form of legalistic control and forced injunctions coming against you to mandate your behavior and what you choose to do in any election. Listen to the Lord. Follow Him. Hear His voice, not the pressure from outside on the far left or the far right. And God will lead you. And right now in the name, oh, I feel it. I feel it, Kelsey. Here it comes. Here it comes. The anointing of God is coming all over me right now. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he gave his own life for you and being raised from the dead now. He is there. He is pouring his love into you. He is beginning to heal your body. He's healing your heart. He's healing your relationships. He's healing your finances. He's healing you from the inside out now. And in Jesus' name, release that anointing of God. Bless your people, Lord God. Bless your people. There are many of you that are being healed physically right now, but there's something I sense very strongly, and that is the healing of your heart, which actually is more important to you in your life. He's healing both, but let him in to heal your heart now. Be strong. Walk in authority in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike, so much for being with us. Send our love to CK. We want to give her a big hug like you do, too. We just we love her so much. I love following her on social media. If you guys don't follow CK on social media, she shares a lot of uh, scripture, prosperity scriptures, which I love because she always encourages you to believe in the Lord. And she's also hilarious, by the way, which she I know is. you know about her. <laughs> so we love her too. send send our love to her. And you guys, thanks for joining us on today's episode. If uh, the Lord touched your body or you want to share a testimony, please write in. I'm sure you can email Mike Thompson too. Um, MikeThompsonMinistries.org. Does that have your email on there, Mike, where they can share um, their testimony? Yes. 
Okay. So email Mike. Um, we love to hear those testimonies of you guys being touched by the Holy Spirit on this live stream. It's amazing how God flows uh, so strong through this. And we love you guys very much. Enjoy your weekend with God and with your families and one another. We'll see you right back here on Monday. We'll be with Johnny Enlow Unfiltered. See you then. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. God bless. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.